I, I think I had the best kink entry point because I got to choose silence and it was normalized for me because I was a dog. Why would the dog talk anyway? Mm. People assumed I wasn't even allowed to talk. So when I did talk, I, I surprised people. The same way like uh, any talking dog would. I understand. Yeah, like I scooby-dooed them. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listener, and welcome back to another episode of Library Hours. It's me, Reed Bryce. I want to say with my whole dang chest a happy pride to you all. Whether you are tiptoeing your way through the tulips for the very first time or you're an old guard queer elder, you have my utmost respect. We are in turbulent times. Even within our community, controversy around the ways we exist abound. While I recorded this before it broke out, I noticed so much dialogue happening around the acceptance of kink around explicit sexual identity expression at Pride. And we're going to talk about that today. So if you're someone who airs on the uh, chaste side, this episode is not for you. I hope you still have an amazing time. I noticed a pattern of people being fixated on the subculture within the gay leather scene of puppy players. These folks who run around in their hoods invariably come up when discussion happens around propriety, but often they're not directly involved with the conversation. Or if they are, it's in a way that is alienating or degrading and you gotta ask for consent to do that to him. My solution? I'm gonna go right to the source to one of my dear friends, Orion, who besides being a fetish title holder here in Los Angeles, is also an advocate and educator for queer trans people of color and the disabled. They're gonna fill us in on everything you ever wanted to know on getting started in leather, share resources, and entertain the hell out of you while doing it. Harness up, puppies. Let's get started. you and I known each other now has it been over a year yet I, I want to say it's been about a year you and I met through the queer scene uh th through kink stuff ourselves because I I'm not uh, we'll get to this in a second but I'm nowhere near as involved as, as you are uh but I, I, I always do like that full disclosure because I've always you never you ever listen to like interviews and, you, and you're like I can tell that they're friends but how did they meet <laughs> why, yeah. why, and especially why is the host being so cutesy about it and pretending that they're they're that they're better than those sort of things and just to say like oh no no I know I know I know you know you through through certain uh same so social circles and of course that's how i got access to it <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, let's not be cutesy and just say what we mean we met on grinder like oh we're saying it <laughs> yes we did meet on grinder but we actually uh we we've been uh, like platonic like 99 percent of our, our of our friendship which is uh happens with a lot of people on grinder uh does that happen with you a lot that you'll meet somebody and then you just get to talking and then do the hooking up just never happens to have <laughs> Mostly it happens to me, um, I want to say on like Scruff or on Lex. Oh yeah, because those are those are much more like uh we can have feelings on the on those <laughs> we can have yeah, actual totally, human feelings. Totally. <laughs> um Grinder, you're lucky if I have a continuous conversation, you know. No, it, people are to the point. Especially, yeah, I, I know a lot of people uh who are transmasculine. It, it could be uh it, it can be a whole different ballpark to be dealing with 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 guys. On my part, it was a big uh cultural shift shift coming from like pretending to be a straight woman all the time and the way that straight men talk to you as a straight woman mm. very different the way that gay men talk to you when they also see you as a gay person a gay guy oh oh yeah <laughs> so recently i've actually changed my grinder headline i have fun with my headline like sometimes i'll just like this is a short description of who I am. Let me summarize. And sometimes like I'll have fun. Like there was a minute where to indicate that I'm not gonna hook up with you right away, my headline was picky and petty. <laughs> I um, love that. Which pissed off. <laughs> no, it pissed off so many people. And there was somebody who, for lack of better words, I'm just gonna identify them how they identified themselves. Mm -hmm. They identified themselves as a cross-dresser, but they would yes. send me like drag photos like them like cross-dressing but angry because they thought that I wasn't good enough to be petty and picky oh my God. so they would literally make like an angry face flip me off and then like strike a pose vindictive cross and then take the photo and then send that <laughs> photo to me it was just the most bizarre thing so right now my grinder headline is fist top because I recently got a bunch of um ex lube and boy butter and those are really great for fisting oh yeah so I guess I'll put at the top of this big trigger warning on on, on uh casual sex talk that's just gonna be what's happening you should have known by when you were clicking on this headline because I told you <laughs> who the guest was. Uh, but yeah, oh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like, so so now my DMs it. are just flooded with buttholes because everyone's oh, like, no. I've always wanted to take a fist. And I'm like, I also explicitly say that I don't take like nude photos right away. Like I don't yeah. want your not safe for work photos because I find them like not 
triggering. I think triggering is too strong of a word, but I find them like alarming to like see without warning. I, I don't know you. Over familiar is the term we can use. It's, it's over Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm like, well, that's a dick. If you've never been on Grinder before, if you are one of my straight friends who's listening, God bless, first of all, time <laughs> on the, the header, you'll be lucky if you'll even get a name or like even a picture. So other people like Orion, much nicer about being like, here's who I am and here's my deal and I'm going to be very upfront with what my boundaries are and I feel like that's a lot easier for me to navigate as a neurodivergent person of just like I know exactly what you want instead of having to guess every single bit of your fantasy God forbid <laughs> <laughs> that's how we met Orion is a very very fabulous uh, queer uh, sex educator uh, what it's like to be somebody who's um, uh, chronically disabled or have a uh, chronic illness why don't you describe a little bit more of your accolades because uh, you'll do a better job than I will <laughs> <laughs> I can totally do that. So I'm a specifically a BDSM educator that educates on how to interact and play with chronically ill and or disabled players. I, that's one of the main things I, I teach. So I teach a class called Chronically Kinky and Chronically Kinky evolved from a class that I teach with my friend Garnet to a monthly Zoom meeting that's like a social support group for chronically ill and disabled kinksters, as well as a Discord server for, um, you know, like your daily interactions and and stressors and advice. We're working on expanding Chronically Kinky so that it has, uh, in addition to its monthly meeting for support, also has like, um, well, my pitch is executive dysfunction meetings. Mm -hmm. So like, if you can't clean your room unless you're talking to somebody, which is like common for like, certain things like ADHD, et cetera, et cetera. I'm so grateful to, to you um, and to Garnet and to everyone else who does these things. And, I, and I'm sure that the pandemic made this just something that was just a little bit more uh, straightforward and sensible to do. But for so long, and I don't have to tell you, accessibility, the barrier to entry was the biggest issue for people who were uh, who, who are disabled uh, to get into the, the queer and kink scene, let alone the dating scene in, in gay world. It can be uh, overwhelming and, and intimidating dating even if you have you know none of those like extra things that, that are just a pain in the butt for you <laughs> yeah i completely agree I mean, in addition to that i also educate on pet play and more specifically dark pet play mm -hmm. which is like the accents of edge play and pet play and like putting those together before we get into advanced stuff oh, if, yeah. you if you wouldn't mind the explain like i'm five sort of way uh, can you let us know what <laughs> what pet play entails like what it what uh you know oh absolutely cool. i i should be able to do that um <laughs> so i guess i should start by saying i'm a fetish title holder yeah. i am the current la puppy which means i represent pet and puppy play specifically in the LA scene. What is that you're asking? I will explain right now, uh, fellow listener. Mm -hmm. So it is basically consensual adult animal role play. And it takes like the kind of shit that you might have must have done when you were like a child pretending to be like a dog or a cat or, or like a unicorn or a dragon or whatever the fuck you want but putting it in a, an adult context you've probably seen pet players if you've ever been to a local pride event they're the ones who are uh, running around in the cute little puppy masks uh that, that can be simultaneously like confusing and scary to some uh but to me i just went oh no this is these are people who are just doing like cosplay but animals it's fabulous yeah totally <laughs> and so the common question is like what's the difference between this and like furries well yes. i would say they're kind of like the opposite ends of the same spectrum while furries tend to anthropomorphize animals um we in the pet play community tend to dehumanize again consensually people into animals it's that power dynamic of saying just for the set framework of what we're doing we're going to be taking away that human agency from you and allowing you to have to like experience and get that sort of satisfaction without the tools that you would usually use as a human like like language or, or absolutely whatever, whatever the parameters are awesome <laughs> just to whatever extent you're comfortable saying how did you get into this sort of pet play sort of stuff and into the scene and what advice would you give to people who are trying to get into that scene so i got into it the way i think a lot a lot of people got into it and that was through um national geographic do you remember that show that they had taboo no tell me about that they had this show called taboo and every episode had like a different topic about like something that was quote unquote taboo and then they would like interview like three or four people across the globe and they would like 
or all had something connecting, whether like, you know, there was like obviously problematic aspects of it, their gender episode, and they keep like misgendering or like dead naming people. I'm having flashbacks now to like, I would, I did not watch that particular program, but I would watch those documentaries, which I will put in even like in the, the, the loosest quotes possible on like MTV, like yeah. HBO's Real Sex. And, and that's why I'm trying to be uh, more careful with the way that I talk to you about these things and the way that I'm addressing it with my audience is to make sure this is not a zone where you're just being a look Lou, who can come with judgment? You know, this is not a laughing yeah. at podcast. If anything is funny, we laugh with. And yes. we make sure that the person is saying that. But I remember all of these documentaries, and they would make them so sensationalistic. The episode that captivated me was this one about, I don't remember what the specific topic was. Maybe it was role play, mm-hmm. but they had this pet player named Tyke Puppy. And if I recall correctly, I think his pronouns are he, his. And I think he's located in the Bay Area. Basically it was like, did his like whatever regular job and then would come home and then become a Doberman puppy and like slept in a kennel, belonged to a mistress. And I was like fascinated to know him. So like I yeah. watched this as a minor and I and I couldn't figure out what it like, what about this fascinated me so much. But as an adult, like a very young adult, I started exploring Tumblr. Before Tumblr removed all adult content, there was a lot of pet players that utilized Tumblr because of the way the platform was set up. It was very fun to set up. Like it was easy to set up a blog and get like a stream of questions and interact with other people and role play together. Uh, wow, I totally missed Tumblr. <laughs> Not <laughs> no, to out it, myself like that. Uh, oh, no, I won't tell anyone you're a tender queer on Tumblr. Uh, <laughs> is that still? Is I don't that know. I don't know if I'd call myself a tender queer. <laughs> <laughs> See, even that got your hackles up. <laughs> you're like, how dare you? <laughs> uh, yes, my little puppy hackles. Um, and then from there, I started going to Pride events and... I found myself like in the the like margins of the kink scene where I was very interested, but I didn't really know how to like find an entry point. Even just going to a gay bar, it, you walk in, so and difficult. It's a sea of men who all look like each other, and you don't look anything like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I found myself like in a play party that I I was like I bought tickets to a play party, and I was dating um, a pro dom at the time who used to make this joke because I have fibromyalgia and I don't walk super well. And at that time it was flaring up really badly. So I used to sometimes like find myself crawling places because it distributed my weight in a way that didn't hurt my legs. May I ask, because uh, I don't think I've ever asked you in specific, and just so so I have context, uh, uh, what what is fibromyalgia exactly? Because I, I should. Oh, and, yeah. Because uh, uh, you, you've always mentioned it like offhand, and I, and I never want in the moment, and we we're like at a party or whatever, like, tell me everything about fibromyalgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite party topic. <laughs> so fibromyalgia is essentially like if we break down the term fibromyalgia, it basically is uh your muscle fibers that's how Mm -hmm. it was explained to me and like the nerves are essentially reading pain that isn't there so a touch can feel like somebody has punched you it could be like hypersensitivity that way or it could be like nothing is even happening nobody's touching me and if I gave myself as an example right now my ankle is like flaring up as if somebody was squeezing it Got and there's it. nothing happening to it. Okay, and so so now that I have that context, you were saying these were things that were already uh, something that you were you were navigating through as you were in this kink scene. You're like my mobility yeah. issues. Yeah, C- please continue. Yeah. On that point. So well, before my diagnosis, just like before my diagnosis, and I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't have any medication, so I regularly found myself like on all fours because it was genuinely easier. Mm-hmm. And this person I was dating made this joke that was like. If you're going to be on all fours anyway, you might as well be a dog. And something about that just clicked with me. Like I had Uh. known puppies. I had friends that were puppies. I followed puppies online, but like it never clicked with me that that was something that I wanted to do until that was said to me. And I just went, okay. And I went to a dungeon um, with this person and it was my first like puppy scene. We had like gone to Petco and we'd gotten, you know, like a bunch of stuff. I had the best time because I realized, first of all, I don't have to do anything. Like I could just be a dog at a party. And you've ever been to a party with a dog, they just sit there and be cute. Yeah. And then then the other shy people at the party want to go spend time with them because they, yeah. they understand because they understand and can be sympathetic in a way that doesn't require a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah. And so it was perfect because like my entry point was I didn't know how to talk to people. 
So I, I, I think I had the best kink entry point because I got to choose silence and it was normalized for me because I was a dog. Why would the dog talk anyway? Mm. People assumed I wasn't even allowed to talk. So when I did talk, I, I surprised people. The same way like uh, any talking dog would. I understand. Yeah, that. like I scooby-dooed them. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really, really liberating feeling for me. Um, me and that specific relationship didn't pan out. That person ended up unfortunately being like a bad person, which you will discover a lot of um, when you enter kink, there's a lot of people who take advantage of newcomers. And yeah. I feel like a lot of us have fallen, unfortunately, into that trap. And I did as well. But what I did figure out is that the puppy is like the right position for me as a submissive. Not to say that every puppy is submissive. I've definitely met plenty of dominant puppies or dogs, etc., etc. But yeah, now I am a collared puppy that belongs to a daddy. And I am really fucking grateful. Yeah. And uh, can you? Uh, just to the amount that you want to uh, just in in general terms can you explain like the difference between a daddy in this context this framework of the leather pet play BDSM scene uh, as opposed to someone be like oh my boyfriend's my daddy because you were saying that that there is a bit of a distinction and and, and it depends from uh, relationship to relationship uh, obviously so everything is up to which is what I want to emphasize up to you you determine and you define your relationship for yourself but um, for me as an aromantic person so like I consider myself kind of like gray aromantic. I've had very few romantic interactions in my life. And um, I've only had like one consistently romantic relationship, which may not sound like too little, um, but I'm literally always dating a bunch of people at once, <laughs> if yeah, you know me. If one of my listeners is saying like, oh, aromantic, if you want a good um, uh, correlation to that, asexual are like people who are on like the other side of that sort of situation where they don't mm-hmm. they don't experience as much sexual attraction. Aromantic people might be people who they can have no issues with sexual attraction, but that they, 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 they want to necessarily uh, be able to have those physical connections with people. Is it, am I getting yeah. it correct? Great. <laughs> yeah, so I have like, limited romantic attraction I would say there are some people who have limited there are some people who have none there are some people who are literally repulsed by the idea of romance I'm not repulsed although I find it like vaguely stressful sometimes when I'm like confronted with other people's romantic relationships if I'm like already not in a good headspace usually I can I can tolerate it um so I'm not a romantic person I I've been in a relationship with my daddy um for over a year now, we met in October, and by the next February, I had, like, accepted his consideration collar, and mm-hmm. I'll explain what a collar is in a second. Oh, especially a consideration collar. Yes, please. So, for me, a daddy is a figure that is dominant, that is caring, that is nurturing, that is, so it's like a an honorific that goes to somebody who meets like a certain criteria of like care. And so I think that's the difference between like, I I also play with a sir who does identify as a daddy, but I don't identify him as my daddy. I identify him as like a sir and I call him sir because I don't get the same amount of like love and nurture and care from him. Do I get it to some extent? Absolutely. That's a criteria for playing with me in general. You know, especially if you're going to dominate me. But in regards uh, to the kinship as opposed to like yeah. romantic uh, intention. Yeah. Yes, I see. I see exactly. <laughs> but ultimately, like, he doesn't text me every day. He doesn't call me when I'm sad. He doesn't, you know, hold me when I have a tummy ache. My daddy takes care of me, you know. Yeah. And as a chronically ill person, the times that I've been sick around him have been probably the most telling times of our relationship because I see how much he cares about me. But he takes me on walks when I want fresh air and he makes sure, like, if I say that I want or need something, the next thing I know, it's been two days shipped to my door. And I want to make the distinction that he's not like my sugar daddy. He does buy me stuff and he does give me money, but we don't have a transactional relationship in which like, I get a certain amount of money per certain periods of time. Yeah, it's not under the framework of sex work itself. Yeah. So this is under the framework of uh, power exchange. I give him a certain amount of control over my life. So there are certain things that I'm not allowed to do anymore or I'm not allowed to do with permission 
uh, unless I like get his explicit permission. And there are certain things that I now have to do in my life. So, and it's all like mostly care stuff. Like I have to brush my teeth at least once a day because mm-hmm. I'm bad at that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, throwback to the executive dysfunction. I have to eat my vegetables, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. And he kind of like, yeah, he treats me like if I was his dog. Like if your dog had some issue and the vet said your dog needs to take this medication, then you make damn sure that they take their medication because you obviously you care about your pet and you want it to, to be well. If I'm cold, then like he'll get me a sweater, of course, like he's going to make me shower. And usually he's the one who showers me himself. So like, you know, they're they're And it's that's really nice for me as like someone who has a lot of pain in their joints because I can't always reach certain parts of my body or I can't do it without a certain amount of pain. And now like to have someone that showers me themselves, it's so much easier. And it definitely like puts me in this like headspace of like, oh, I'm being groomed by my owner because I'm a good boy and I have to be like a shiny clean boy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, for somebody who on the other side of of, uh, of this sort of power exchange dynamic, like curiosity, if they're if they're if they wanting to become the sort of dom, a daddy, a, a dog, a carer uh, sort of person, they need to, t- uh, in addition to the gratifying part of like you know uh, you know satisfying their sadism or 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 just like they're they're wanting to be in control, they do need to make sure that they understand. Just like w- with getting any real pet, a lot of people do not take the time to consider all this that it's responsibility that you are you are taking upon. On yourself and it, it, yeah it, it's a relationship that comes with work okay got it yeah absolutely because you are now responsible for this other person while in a relationship you might like like your typical or as we like to say it, your egalitarian relationships because they, they they lack the power exchange you recognize that people are independent and ultimately are going to care for themselves typically like more often than not again every relationship is different and i don't speak to every relationship but in a power exchange relationship there's this expectation of like i am giving you my autonomy to a certain degree and there's some people and some situations in which that autonomy is fully given or there's um partial power exchange relationships like mine where where it's partly given i don't live with him and like i mentioned he's in the bay i'm in la so i am independent to a certain extent but my days and what i do requires a lot of check-ins and a lot of like how do you feel about this? Is this okay? An expectation for me to like devolve um, certain information, even if like he's fine with not getting it, it, it doesn't feel right to me to like keep things from him, even if it's unintentional, because ultimately that's my daddy and I want my daddy to know what I'm doing. Of course. Now, you were saying you wanted to talk about what the collaring process is. Oh, like. yes. Because that's an entire undertaking. That's like a, a step in the, in, the, in the relationship as it, as it were. Yeah. So I, I wanted to take a minute to define that because I recognize that that might not be in everyone's lexicon. So in like the BDSM community, a lot of us wear what's called a collar. And a collar basically means that you belong to somebody. And so I wear one that's made of chain mail and then it has a lock on it. And then I have a key holder, which is my daddy. So my daddy holds onto the key and he wears it uh, on a chain around his neck, along with several pendants that are really important to him. Oh, I love and, that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I never take it off. It's with me 24 seven when I'm in the shower, when I go to the beach, the only time I have ever taken it off myself is I have an emergency key just in case anything happens. And it's in like the little bag that I take everywhere. My little like, um, it's not like a quite a purse. Um, I think I saw someone on TikTok call it a butch bag, which I thought was really cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so something like that. And in one of the pockets, I have my emergency key. And there's like several layers of things that I have to undo to get to it. And then I can take it off. And so I took it off for a surgery because I couldn't wear it along with like, you know, you're not supposed to wear any piercings, any jewelry, et cetera, et cetera. But a collar can look like anything. Like it doesn't, it's, it's classic for it to be like a metal chain around someone's neck, but there are more subtle ways of going about it. I've seen bracelets. I've seen anklets. My friend has a, a hand carved wooden collar 
which is just gorgeous. And so, I've so, seen yeah, uh, people have different varying, uh, degrees of what they of options that they have, depending on yeah. how out they can be with with, with this, yes. this part of their lives. I get and you. and then I've seen necklaces too, like it's a casual chain with like a circle, so it kind of gives like a simulated O ring almost. There's what's called a day collar, which like you can wear around in the day, and it doesn't indicate to like you know your vanilla coworkers that you belong to like a master etc etc and then there can be the one that you change into when you're like actually at the scene and i want to emphasize that like for a lot of people these are like wedding rings almost um is like the comparison i can make it to like In a lot of, of people how, how much power they how they much they mean yeah. yeah so i would say if you are entering the scene and, and you see somebody with a beautiful shiny collar don't touch it you see a lock, don't touch it. Um, if you want to like feel it, you should always ask and be okay with getting a no because I've had people in hookups try to grab my chain and like yank on it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me like instantly super uncomfortable because it kind of feels like, you know, like that's the connection that me and my daddy hold is all in this collar. And to have someone like grab it and pull it just feels wrong. And I'm always afraid that they're going to break it. <laughs> oh, and you know, just the principle of it, it takes two seconds to check. If you've never touched somebody somewhere, did you ask first, is, is this comfortable for you, for me to be doing? Just please ask, even if you're in the middle of, of hooking up, I promise you it will not, yes. it will not fuck up the mood. Uh, but but you touching someone somewhere that you, you didn't know that maybe it is sensitive emotionally or physically can absolutely fuck up the mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. We love consent in this house. Please ask. <laughs> questions so you've got that that relationship going or that dynamic we'll call it uh uh so you don't think i'm getting mushy on you <laughs> with my, with my <laughs> well, well, hyper uh, i do hyper romantic self <laughs> <laughs> i do consider it a partnership like he is yes. one of my partners but i appreciate you trying to be mindful of my lack of romance <laughs> <laughs> oh i do i just know that i am as romantic and mushy as the day is long so i always have to be making sure that people understand that i can that i recognize what their actual parameters are so that being said for people who want to know more uh tell us more about the the competitive aspect of leather and pet play how did how did you get into that okay so yeah earlier i mentioned that i'm a fetish title holder which sounds like which, wrestling but with with puppies yeah so totally <laughs> yeah I, I, they gave me a big old belt and I just decked somebody straight in the face. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> so there, there are contests and they're like everywhere around the world, like everywhere you can think of. It's kind of like astounding. And some are for leather. Um, they're usually more often than not for like leather men, but there's also quite a good like pet play department, specifically puppy play, because puppy play is more popularized with cis gay men. So you'll see a lot more of it. And I'm just going to like be straight up and honest about it. Some puppy titles are actually being redefined right now, which I think is beautiful as just general pet titles. So like anybody can run for them. And they're also like starting to deconstruct what genders can run for them, which I super appreciate as like a non-binary person. So I'm like the first non-binary person to hold my title. And I'm oh, the first trans person of color to hold my title. My title oh, father yeah. <laughs> um, is a white binary trans man. We don't get along, if you're wondering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have very different <laughs> politics. And so I got into it because the title circuit's really big here in L.A. There's, um, you know, Mr. L.A. Leather. And when you get, like, L.A. Leather... There is, I think, eight different titles that feed into that one title. And if you're wondering, that means it just means you you compete on your local level, like your bar or for a specific fetish event uh, or like a dungeon. And once you win that title, then they're like, okay, you can either choose to hold that down for a year and then like step down. And that's the end of it. You can hold it for a year and then choose the next level. Or you can immediately after you win it, the next time the the larger level, you know, comes up the contest, then run for it. And if you win that one, then you get to run for Mr. International Leather, which is the world's biggest leather title, uh, which is the, 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 there is no 2020 title holder for that. They just decided to be like, hey, we're not doing it this year and we're not going to extend our title holders year, but the 2019 title holder 
who was like a groundbreaking title holder is actually a friend of mine. So I just wanted to shout out to Jack, wherever he is. He's a great dude. But yeah, so how I got into the competition is I thought that I could make a difference. I thought, um, you know, when I got into puppy play, it was mostly cis white gay men. Um, Most of them were thin. Most of them were like conventionally attractive and most of them didn't really do much but show up to a party and drink, which is great. Like, yeah, I love a good time. Yeah, sounds very Los Angeles party, uh, <laughs> just, just with a lot more action going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have I have no issue with that, but it was super hard to, like, you know, as a trans person of color to, like, then talk to other trans people of color who would be like, I want to do this so badly, but I don't, I can't stand those bars. I don't fit in. I'm never going to be able to do this. I don't know how you do it, Orion. Like, I I can't stand those places. Or to see people, like, I used to get messages on my dating apps from people that would be like, hey, I just wanted to say, like, I follow you on Instagram and I see everywhere that you go and it's super inspiring. And I mean, I can't do that, but one day I would like to. And I would think yeah. like, damn, like, what can I do to make these people feel like, yes, I can do that. And the answer for me was run for a title because it gave me a larger platform. Like I already had whatever platform I did have. And I think all of us have whatever power and platform we do have. But like, how do I get a microphone put to that? Like, how do I get a megaphone? How do I get dollars behind what I'm doing? How do I get like credibility? And so for me, that was running for a title, which I... I don't like to brag, but yes, I do because I'm a Leo. I no, blew everyone I, out of the water. I, I, I'm an Aries who, who loves to hype people up, so please brag. Please, please, please do. Yeah. This, this shit's hard. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I can only imagine because I'm white. Uh, spoiler alert to the listener. Uh, and, but, uh, in, in, the, in the indie comedy community, it was the same fucking shit. I was one of the first people uh, like in the improv sketch community to really come out in a big way and have to really go around mm-hmm. and be like, no motherfuckers, you have to change the bathroom signage. People are not going to fucking show up. And, and, and with my limited, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know what you mean, when you have a limited uh, spotlight, a limited amplification, it's yeah. so hard to get anything done. So first of all, do brag. Please brag as much as you want <laughs> as, you continue, as you continue your story, because this is fascinating. I love this. Yeah, but I never want to say that I did this alone because it, I, I didn't. I did this like with a with a bunch of great people behind me. So my friend Ro Ruckus, who is the first um, person to hold uh, a non-binary title that's based in L.A., Specifically, yeah. there have been non-binary title holders in LA, but they never held a title that was like an, an MX title that was based in LA. It gets real specific because yeah. there's like West Coast ones, which isn't technically, it's like the whole West Coast. And then there's like international ones, la, 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 la. Anyway, so that's what <laughs> makes him like super special in the title spectrum what makes him super special outside of that is he's my friend and therefore he's fucking special <laughs> oh and i yeah i've met ro he's great <laughs> yeah rose rose super wonderful um and so me and him used to put our heads together and we were like what are, what are we going to do like before covid and be like what can we do what can we do during covid we're still putting our heads together and, and figuring things out and trying to make safer spaces um, for people that we care about, but I can get into that a little later. Mm -hmm. Um, But we used to hold in a garage um, a pet mosh, and we would show up like the day before the mosh and like clean it all out, and it's it's mostly Ro, because my disabled ass is like, oh, I can only help so much. I'm like putting up decorations. But one of the things that I would do is I made sure that every every like gender that under the moon that had a pride flag, we had it. Awesome. Every pet flag, because there's also pet pride flags. I'm like, every pet that we can find that has a pride flag, we have it. So, so when people walk in, they see that little banner, and they know if only in that small way somebody was thinking of me and it took yeah. some of the pressure off, like you were saying for those people who were marginalized, especially the, the people of mm-hmm. color in the, in this community to go, Oh, I'm not alone here. Yeah. Got it. And so we, we had like everything up and like there, there are ones that people have flags that people have never even heard of um, all up on the walls. And even in my bedroom, if, um, which I'm sure you might've noticed um, the time that you visited me, it's in my bedroom. I, I have like, yeah, big old rainbow flags with the fist that's in multi colors. And then behind that is the trans colors. And it's just like, yeah. So I, I was in charge of that and I poured all my money into it. Like I, any spare cash I got, I would like, Oh, buy another pride flag. 
And then I went to Chewy.com, not sponsored. <laughs> no, not on <laughs> <a> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, and I bought like $200 worth of dog toys and cat toys and like anything I could think of. I bought like, I made sure we had little toy carrots because I was like, what if we get a bunny? Like, I don't know who's going to show up. Mm. And I just poured all these like toys everywhere. And they were super cute. And we'd give out prizes and people would bring homemade food. And we would like already have snacks, you know, like stuff. Um, in the summer, we had like one of those inflatable pools and we were just splashing around and playing with each other. And it's just, it's, it showed me that like, you don't need to be sponsored by a big bar. You don't need like a lot of money. You don't need, like, we just figured it the fuck out, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love the way the underground communities within the subcultures can just figure out a way to, to make that space for themselves. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was like, Ro was like, I can build it. Oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. So if somebody does come from wherever they are coming from, be it across town or across state lines, when they get here, are there some basic pieces of decorum that people should be keeping in mind, especially as a first time person, or especially somebody who may be national geographicing it and, and be completely outside of the scene might be a cishet person. Uh, Cause I know a lot of times the most annoying things and you, and I've heard you talk a little bit about it is, is the frustration of the way that like people uh, who are not in the scene uh, regard you or, or talk to you or in interact uh what what, uh, what are yeah. some good do's and don'ts <laughs> um i think <laughs> i think the first thing to understand is that you don't understand and that that's okay and you don't have to like frame it in a way that makes sense to you because there's a good chance that it won't necessarily make sense to you and get yourself somebody who's open and willing to like guide you through that and give you the appropriate tools and language to like be able to convey us in a way that you know is respectful so i think like my my favorite example is did you watch bonding on netflix the first season's terrible because <laughs> it's very clear that they didn't know what they were talking about or doing oh, no. and they got all that like feedback of people being like this is not how our community operates and this is like not what you wear this is not like how you do this this is like clearly a consent violation too. If someone says ow and you, if someone says no, if someone's like not fully informed and you're dragging them along on an adventure anyway, then like you're not doing this appropriately. And what do and they that, do it in affects, the second it affects season? Your, it affects your, your community in that, in that sense that that's yeah, what and then it associates it, you with is people who do not consent to things. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And then you paint us as these people who are just like thrill seekers who don't really care about anyone else's boundaries when the reality is we really fucking care about your boundaries because we want you to have fun. <laughs> so for the second season, they took the, they took those notes, you're saying? Yeah, and then they hired um, better people to like inform the writers and then they actually like in the second season comment on the first season and like like things about like what the characters are wearing and stuff like that get pointed out as like being wrong and like oh, what they awesome. actually mean and so i really like that type of like correction i'm glad netflix was able to do that but they shouldn't have gotten it wrong to begin with because there's plenty of us who are like in different industries and could have totally advised them so my ultimate piece of advice is besides like consent 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 is just recognize that you don't know anything and that's okay it's like whenever there's a plight that i don't understand the first thing i have to recognize is i don't know anything and that's okay and that can be a hard thing to admit because i feel like we're often shamed for not knowing things yes but it, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier about like the westernization of like when nat geo does that i feel like it's the same thing it's like they're trying to put us in a context that makes sense to them but the reality is is i might not make sense to you so like i get kicked in the dick to have like a good time that doesn't make sense to everybody but it makes sense to me and if someone who's like would only ever find that to be painful in a not fun way, try to like contextualize my having fun, 
they might like you know paint it in a way that really puts me in a harsh light or puts you in a, in a light that you're like uh is saying like oh they don't know what they're doing uh of course yeah I, I like kicking the dick that means that you they, they something's wrong with them for liking that yeah and it's, it's yeah it's, it's a place of judgment that just doesn't really it's not helpful to anybody <laughs> yeah absolutely being open about not understanding is a great like first step to not only take but to always have with you and who knows you might find something you like you know, and I, I'm an Aries, so I always need that reminder for my own ego. It's like I don't, I don't know everything, and especially yes. uh, I'm, I've, I've only been out as a queer person for like six years. You know, can feel like a long time when you, when you're in it. You know, uh, but then you, yeah. you look at the larger scope of what queer history is, what BDSM history is. Uh, you mm. have to really humble yourself and be like, oh, I, I'm getting this as a resource from somebody, even if they are like in that moment having to snap at you a little bit and be like, hey, stop being a little <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there any other other things as, as like maybe if, if it's your first time coming to a, a mosh a munch is another uh, term that they, they use in the leather scene for these get-togethers uh yeah to expect like what, what what to do what to bring <laughs> depending on what because uh, usually they'll they'll tell you uh, all of those things in the parameters right yeah yeah usually like if there's a, a dress code or anything like that you'll usually be informed um because we want you to be there and we want you to like you know feel a little like you're welcome so i think i love that you brought up the term munch because munch is a great first time thing so a munch is um a get together of kinky people specifically in a non-kinky setting yeah, so sexual people are not yeah. looking yeah <laughs> yeah so it's often as as the term implies um at a restaurant getting food obviously we don't do that right now during covid at least i hope not <laughs> Um, but there's plenty of online munches and some munches um, that I've attended online have been like half education spiel and like half let's just talk and hang out, which I really enjoy. So if you're queer and you're here in LA, um, even if you're not, because again, we're doing a lot of things virtually and you're like, I want to get started. I want to meet people, but I don't know how. My first recommendation, like general recommendation is Quench LA. Um, because they're just in case uh, Q-U-E-N-C-H and then L-A. Okay, so the traditional and, spelling. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes, thank you for asking because those queers love putting X's and, and Q's and K's and all sorts of other letters and things. Um, and I know some I'm, of us queers cannot spell. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I can't spell. I'm, I had to write it out on my bed sheet just now mm -hmm. um, with my I, finger to make thank sure. Thank you for the full disclosure. I, lo I love the humility. I love the openness. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you, I, you, you I, I totally humility is definitely one of my games um so that one is for anyone that's under the lgbtqia spectrum and it's just like this cute little get together that they do once a month on zoom and hang out before it used to be held at a queer coffee shop um in the before times if you're cutie vibe hawk then i got hella recommendations for you and by that i mean you should join me with obsidian la traditional spelling just like you would spell the stone dash la.com or underscore la on instagram and you can totally find us and i'll give you know read obviously these um links later on so oh, they course, can uh, throw them in there um and that's where i am a board member and we make kinky queer and educational programming specifically for cutie bipoc yeah, a lot of those events uh, will be uh, only for people or who uh, that 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 stands for uh, queer, trans, uh, Black, Indigenous people of color is is a is, yes. is, is a general term. Uh, and sometimes you'll have also events that are open to the public when, uh, especially for when, when you're fundraising yes. for fun things. Like I got to go to a drag show that you hosted. That this was is true. Blew my fucking face off. It was so good. <laughs> you are bored with drag. You need to be seeing the queer and trans uh, drag done by people of color in los angeles because they are bringing you shit you have never seen before and it just yeah and they're getting the benefit of having the mic for the first time <laughs> <laughs> and some of those people were i i want to also say weren't you in here in la some of them were like in chicago like it was just amazing um that's what i but really we had um, about about if there is any silver lining is is the again that accessibility of like somebody who might be like in the middle of nowhere they can suddenly become part of this community be in a drag show or uh someone from a bigger city who does doesn't have the money to come out and perform in Los Angeles, but deserves to mm -hmm. have the Los Angeles stage. They're getting that stage time now. <laughs> yeah. And the awesome other thing is that 
since we're we're online right now, um, our audience has gone global. It's been really cool. We've had people in Canada, we've had people in England check us out, and it's been awesome to like meet Cutie BIPOC all over the globe and have them be like, "Hey, we're gonna stay up here in London till three a.m. just to hang out with y'all." And that's been beautiful. They they will yeah. they will rally to to see to see the performance or a show or something. I've definitely been up until like two a.m. before because I was like, "Yep." Uh, this is happening in, in Hamburg. Okay, let's do a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so this is coming out, you said, around Pride. So yeah. I do want to say that in late June, we are having an event called Paradise. And Paradise is not, ex- it's a non-exclusive event. And what that specifically means is if you have white queer people in your household, they are allowed to buy tickets and hang out with you and be on screen with you. Um, it is not, it's pride. So we're, we're opening it up a bit. We understand people have roommates or they have partners that they live with who might be, you know, white. Um, several of us have white partners ourselves. Um, several of us also don't. <laughs> um, and, 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 and honestly, uh, like to anybody who might be listening, sometimes, People of color just need to have that space where they don't have to think about us, don't have to see us. They get they, they can just go and have a good time and let their fucking guard down. So before anyone even has like an inkling of a thought about about uh, about like reverse racism or whatever, uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Uh, sec- first of all, you're listening to a podcast. We cannot hear you. This happened in the past, darling. <laughs> but second of all, uh, it, 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 it's it's very awesome. Then when they give us that opportunity to come in and see those resources, and we need to be grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. so, so buy those tickets uh, to paradise you said it was called yes it's called paradise okay yeah and if, if we have ticket information i will make sure that is included i uh, w- with the episode information of course uh, and any all right working. yes thank cool. you so much <laughs> yeah so um paradise was wonderful because we did it last year uh and it was it was so stressful to like run but we ended up doing um i think about 11 hours of content uh, on just like one Saturday yeah um, most of it was live I think all of it might have been live actually but we would go from like one thing to another so like we started with a queer kinky scavenger hunt so like show me a pride flag to like show me your oldest dildo to you know <laughs> your your favorite vibrator um, to like you know your patchy vest because all I feel like every gay has like something with a lot of patches or pins on it. It's just like mm-hmm. a thing we do. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh. it spans every, everywhere from, from the, the kinkiest uh, uh, leather bars uh, to Disney gays being like, I also- Oh my God, you're pins. so right, <laughs> Disney gays. <laughs> they love, we love a pin. We love we love sticking a little thing. But it, 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 I bet it all goes back to the flagging culture. You know, like I've talked about yeah, before. Yeah, totally. Uh, Oscar Wilde uh, was a subject I had and he uh, he did not invent this. Obviously he stole it from some, probably from some other queer. Uh, he would put a green carnation on his jacket and that's actually uh, how he and his friends got found out uh that they that they were being gay is because uh it, they had these green carnations and somebody wrote a whole play around it uh i had no idea it was, wow. it, was called the, it was called the green carnation whether uh, and then obviously you're probably having like shows and exhibitions in that yes. same uh, thing but what else so we had on? uh like that's how we started the day then we had like cute little meetups um for like everybody who was into like mommy doms like mm-hmm. this is your hour to like hang out and talk about like why you're either a mommy dom or what your interest in mommy doms are. And then we had like a kinky poet reading like queer kinky poetry that she wrote about different people who would like basically devolve their their stories to her. And then she would type them up on her typewriter and write a poem about their like kinky story. Um, and then by evening, once it got like dark, we had like a little dance party and then that dance party became like an exhibition show where we had people like playing that we had asked to play like a couple, a queer kinky couple. And then it was so cute because if you looked at everyone's little cameras, you could see everyone getting hot and bothered and kind of like looking towards their partner. And and it got real Ooh. exhibition-y up in there and it was yeah. cute. I'm not going to lie. I shut my camera off because my daddy was like, uh, people pay me money. My daddy's a sex worker as well. Um, So he's like, people pay me money for this shit. So I'm not giving it away for free. But we totally fucked while it was going on. And then (laughs) (laughs) after that, I was like, okay, can I take the last hour of paradise off? I'm sleepy. 
<laughs> you are a sleepy puppy. Oh, uh, before we wrap it up, uh, one last thing about as far as resources go, uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, because I am that that queer is the fashion of it all, the accessories. Because uh, mm-hmm. I saw that you recently uh, got are, are having a mask. Where, was it your mask that was being worked on the hyena mask? Because they're, they're yeah, yeah. Know, and I wanted to get uh, if you could throw out a few names of like different places people could go and buy their gear if they're like, I'm ready to pup up, I'm ready, or I'm ready to be a hyena because. Uh, by the way, it's not just dogs. You can be any kind of animal. There are cats and stuff, right? Yeah, totally. I, I've i met hella animals from dragons to possums to possum, just your run-of-the-mill, like, <laughs> you know, fucking panther. Um, <laughs> so my ultimate recommendation, um, because the price is really accessible, they'll work with you, um, and it's Black Trans-owned and it's local, is Black Wolf Leather. Um, that's here in LA, um, run by a guy named Noah. He's uh, fucking amazing. He made um, the harness that I wore when I ran for LA Pop. Um, he made my like most iconic hood, like because I have a few, but the one that everyone knows me for with the heart on it is the one that Noah made. Is that the, Noah is, that the pink one. Yeah, the one with the pink heart. So yeah, cute. the one yes. that I pretty much always wear. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one that Noah made for me and like conceptualized with me and is like inspired um, a lot of how I design my gear now. Cause I usually, I'll, I'll come with Noah and be like, this is what I want. I'll throw pictures at him and I'll be like, well, I want this and this change. I want this color thread. I want you to put a star on here and a heart on this. Cause like everyone has to know I'm a faggot. Um, so <laughs> so Noah is, yes. is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I need them to know. <laughs> you say it's you slap your hands together with a full manicure. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Yeah, um, so my ultimate recommendation for like accessible leather and also like to help sponsor like a black trans creator um, is Black Wolf Leather all the way. Oh, thank you so much. I, I love that. And I love you and everything that you have, have taken the time to oh, share with us today. Uh, and I, and I, and I, like I say to all my guests on li- library hours, as somebody who has, as a child uh, and even through adulthood, I often feel uh, very alone in this world in the, in the different ways that I'm affected. Um, you're one of the people in my life who makes me feel so much less alone. And so I want to make sure I, I take, you know, I, I'm sure I, I try to do my best to make sure, you know, off, off microphones was not phony baloney, but <laughs> here on the record, I will also say, uh, Orion, that you are, are a shining star in my system. <laughs> oh, thank you. That so means corny. so much for me. That was corny, but that's exactly why I named myself that. Like, let's be real. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So before before I get too mushy, uh, ver- verging on the romantical uh, pining, I will I will I will say uh, just thank you again for for this time and and for for making sure people can really have the level on what the, this stuff is like because a lot of people I'm sure have that interest, but they don't venture. You know, uh, they stay on the other side of the puppy pen. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. You read. And that was my conversation with Orion. I hope it was at all helpful or illuminating for you as it was for me. If it was helpful and the spirit of pride moves you and you want to make a donation on our Patreon, that would be awesome. All proceeds for this and every month go directly to paying our guests an honorarium and the remainder goes to charity, a mutual aid called Solidarity and Snacks. They deliver much needed food, water, and other goods directly to the people on Skid Row in Los Angeles. Either way, keep your eye out this month because you're actually getting a bonus episode of Library Hours as my pride gift to you. On Tuesday, June 22nd, you're going to get to hear from one of my favorite drag queens working here in Los Angeles, the incomparable Diana. If you want info on that, the resources discussed here on this episode today, or you just want to say hi, you can reach me at patreon.com backslash library hours with Reed Bryce. Until next time, listener, do me a big favor like I'm your daddy and take care of yourself. You deserve it. Okay, bye.